welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. So it's nice, my name's Andrew, for those of you who don't know me. Um, there's been a vicious rumor going around that I was on holiday, kind of. Um, if, you, if, if having a heart attack is part of having a holiday, then I guess I was. Uh, I'll tell you all about that some other time, will it? But uh, thank you so much for your prayers over the last number of months. <laughs> weeks. It's felt like months to me. No, but seriously, thank you for praying for me. And uh, um, I'm actually, I just want to be careful because the cardiologist who treated me comes to church now. Is she here? No. no? Okay. Brilliant. <laughs> so I can say, I can be honest, right? Okay. So uh, <laughs> no, just getting like, like God's grace all over us. Um, I, you know, don't, don't be worrying. I'm going to be here for the next 50 years, I think, uh, because whilst I have gone through that, I actually didn't do any damage to my heart because uh, the Lord moved, So, which was brilliant. I just had a blocked artery um, caused by stress. That's what it was over a period of probably 15 years. I wonder why that was. <laughs> I need the wisdom of the Lord to figure that out, right? And uh, hey, I'll tell you what, being in hospital is some crack, isn't it? Anyone been in hospital recently? <laughs> Like, I was in with my dad. So the thing is, so there's me lying, gripping my chest. <gasps> I wasn't at all. I was, I was bored stiff, walking up and down, prowling like a lion. And uh, my, ma, my mother phoned me, sorry, and goes, son, son, it's your, it's your father. And I went, well, what's he done now? And uh, well, he's in A&E just underneath you. And they're bringing him up. And I was like, oh, for the love of all that's holy. So what was really funny was he had had a turn or something. So, so I'm, I'm sitting... He had had a turn. <laughs> it's a medical expression. And um, so I'm, I'm lying in, in my bed of sickness, right? I wasn't, I was so bored. And uh, my phone went, right? At this point, an OT, an occupational therapist who walked past. And then my phone went. The OT is important. And I picked up the phone and it was Big Vern. And he went, here, tell me this. Has somebody in a white coat just walked past you? And I went, Yes. I said, how do you know that? Where, where are you? He says, look out the window. Look out. This is my dad, right? <laughs> look out the window. So I looked out, and from my bed in my ward, I could look across to his bed in his ward. <laughs> it's like being back in lockdown. Hello. <laughs> do you need anything? <laughs> oh, man, it was funny. It was so funny. And uh, so we were able to pass a couple of hours one morning, me and him sitting, comparing wounds and all that. And... Uh, here on that, there's a funny story. You have to look, right, and find some brightness and things because what we discovered about our kids um, is that Sophie does not have a... Uh, have, she's never going to have a ministry in hospital visiting, right? <laughs> I think it's the kindest way to put it. Like, how old is she now? She's 11, right? And uh, she's a wee rascal. But she came up, and one of the things you get in hospital, you get these injections, right, in your stomach, and I, I didn't react well to them. So, but you get two a day, and they're flipping painful, actually. And uh, so I went black and blue, like literally here the whole way around. And so they were struggling to find somewhere to keep injecting me. That's the long and the short of it. Anyway, they, um, so Penny had said to me, she came up with the kids, and she said, ah, you know, we Soph was sitting there, all wide-eyed looking. And Penny said, how's your stomach? And I said, it's not sore. It's just I look like I've gone like 10 rounds with you know, Mike Tyson, he was beating the lumps out of me. And uh, Penny said, oh, let me see. And she went, oh, flip me, right, Andrew? And I, I said this, <laughs> I said, I know, actually, the nurse was sending me this morning, it's the worst that she's ever seen, right? And Sophie went, what, your belly or the bruise? And I went. <laughs> and I was like, well, do you know what? She sat and she chuckled and she roared. Right? All pleased with herself, like, ho, 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 ho. for about five minutes, I couldn't get her to shut up. And she was like, Well, Daddy, which one? Belly or bruise? And, uh, oh man, I laughed my leg off at her. It was funny. But listen, I'm great. I'm, I'm, I'm great. I get a bit tired at times, but I'm doing good. Should we turn to the word this morning? It's, it, do you know what's interesting when um, you uh, are. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, like, the last month has done. It has doubled down my absolute resolve that. Sickness is not from God. 
okay? The Lord wants you well, he wants you fit, and he wants you healthy. That is a promise of God for you, bought by Jesus at the cross and provided in his work of grace, okay? And I believe that. I don't believe there's any good that, um, you know, when you're, particularly for people in hospital, I thought, like, there's times I, I kind of was like, I don't, really don't like this. And I was thinking, how do you do this without faith? How do people do this and face this stuff without faith? And the Lord just kept reminding me, I'm, I'm going to speak this morning from Psalm 23. I'm going to teach you a little bit, is that okay? I'm going to do some teaching, so you might want to write some notes. Because what, what, I've, what, I, what, what we needed, I, I think, why I love the grace of Jesus is this, is that we have a habit that whatever's going on in our lives, that we, we turn Jesus, right, into what we need him to be. Do you get that? So when I'm lying there and I'm feeling, I actually never felt sick through this whole thing. I only felt sick when they poked me with things, right? But the, in that moment, your heart naturally gravitates to Jesus is the healer. Do you get that? You might be feeling, you might be broke today or, or struggling in your finance. And so what happens is then we gravitate towards, oh, Jesus is my provider. And all of those things are true. Do you get that? There's nothing wrong with those. But I think we miss something. Because in the middle of it all, there is a life of rest that is promised to us in the promise of Jesus and his grace. And it's a bigger revelation than your individual need. Do you get that? And so whenever Jesus came along, what he did was he rolled up, if you like, all of the revelations of Jesus. And for the first time ever, he, he talked about Father, Abba, the ability to come close to the Lord and know him intimately as a father. And people under the law, they couldn't do that because there was God and man and separation between the two. They couldn't enter into the temple. They couldn't take part. They were excluded on the basis of their performance. And so that, the, the notion of Father, the Father is mentioned all the way through the Old Testament, but it, it was an abstract for them. They couldn't know because they had no way of drawing close. So Jesus comes along, and what Jesus does is he gives you the greater revelation, the greater revelation of Father, which is provider, healer, protector, banner, all the names of God in one. And if you want to, the greater revelation then that Jesus brings is if you want to know the Father, know me. And as you look at me, you'll see what the Father is like, and it's Abba. And now what happens is, does that make sense? I want to encourage you today. For some of you who are pursuing, and, and because your situation demands it, like make no bones about it. When, excuse me. Do you know what's great? Do you see Penny's away? She's doing youth. Know what I can do at home now? <laughs> Word of the wise. Penny's like, oh, we're going to do this. Today I just go, ooh. <laughs> I got away with it for about, I got away with it for about a week. And then she was like, shut up. Oh, we need, we need to do, with no food, we need to do the shopping. <gasps> do <laughs> Brilliant. Are you all right, darling? I don't think I am, I need a light, darling. <laughs> oh, man. So, so what I want to encourage you with today, right, is if you are zooming in to a particular bit of what you need from the Lord, can I encourage you to zoom out a little bit? And what happens is, you don't, it's hard to find rest when you're pursuing one thing, isn't it? Because our attention and our heart goes on to that one thing, healing, healing, healing. And I found as I was lying in my bed of sickness, it's not sound brilliant, as I was walking the corridors of the Royal over the you know, first two weeks of January, what I found myself, what I felt the Lord saying to me is, Andrew, in this place, the greater revelation for you is Father. And you need a revelation that the whole thing is covered. Your whole life, every waking and sleeping moment of your existence is in the care of Abba. And it's because of his grace and his love and his favor for you. I almost felt the Lord say, this is, if you make your life right now about this, you're gonna miss the greater blessing. Does that make sense? And you can learn in this moment to go, if I see the bigger revelation of Jesus and who he is, then my healing, my provision and everything else is caught up in that. And as I rest in that place of grace, knowing that I am righteous before the Lord, that he loves me, that he gave his life for me, in that moment, as I seek first him, not the gift, but the giver, I receive all that grace has supplied. Does that make sense? So for some of you today who are anxious, or worried or upset or going, I need, I need a breakthrough, I need this, I need that. Can I ask you just to relax 
as I read through the psalm and teach you to go, take a step back and say, Lord, show me Jesus and his work in a bigger way. Because the revelation of Father in the Old Testament, what they did was they described shepherd. Okay, and that was a, it's not, it's not exactly the same, but the Lord is my shepherd. So shall we read it together? Would that be good? And what I want you to do is I want you to almost like, as we um, go through this, I almost want you like to leave like what your worries and your concerns at the feet of the Lord, okay? Just for this next two and a half hours. <laughs> Some of the visitors are going, holy smoke, you're going nowhere. I've got the doors locked, all right? And at the end, we're going to have a quiz. And I'm going to ask you. <laughs> I'm just kidding you, right? We're going to have a quiz. No, we're not. Because there's something about this. I mean, in Colossians 3, 2 to 3, it says, Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are off the earth. For you've died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And you see, there's these multifaceted revelations of Jesus. And grace is not a, not, as I say all the time, grace is not... A, a, a denomination. Grace is not a movement. Grace is not a particular thought. Grace is a person and his name is Jesus. Okay? And there are these multifaceted revelations of Jesus and his work. And one revelation doesn't do away with another. That's the thing. You know, sometimes we go from one revelation to the next. Oh, Jesus is this. There's a movement of faith and then it's a movement of grace and there's a movement of whatever. Actually, if you look, as the Lord, as the Lord brings different you know, revelations and movements around the world, they are building one on the other to give a completer picture of who the Lord is. So let, let's read here, because when you see Jesus, all you are and all you need, you'll see is met in him. And when you set your mind not on the things that are right in front of you in your direct need, but you set your minds on the Jesus and you trust him and you walk that way, I believe, because uh, the, the last verse in this psalm is gonna tell us this, that with Jesus as that as our focus, everything else overtakes us. Do you want to live like that? What do you want your 24 to look like? Do you want to look like, the Lord, I'm trying my best. I'm going to try hard. I'm going to knock it out of the park. I'm going to do my best. The worst place you can be is at the center of your life. The best person to have at the center of your life is Jesus. The worst place is to put you in your performance there. I'm doing this for the Lord. I'm doing that. I'm going to kill dead things. Amen. And all that. Forget it. You'll mess it up. You'll get it wrong. You'll feel condemned and you'll go around in a circle of defeat. At the start of this year, let's go give me a bigger revelation in my heart, Lord. I want to see more of you as father, as shepherd, and know that in that revelation, as I rest in that place, everything else will be added to me. Amen? Brilliant. Let's get stuck in then. Because, uh, shall I set, um, there's a good, this, this revelation of Jesus as good shepherd is a word for someone today. Um, you know, it's set in a, in a real place. It's called the Vadi Kelt, right? A wadi is, a, is like a ravine, okay? So you'll see these all the way through the, the Middle East. They're like ravines that are dry until the rain season comes. And Wadi Kelt, I've actually been, I don't know if I've mentioned, I've been to Israel a few times. And uh, right, Wadi Kelt runs between Jerusalem and Jericho. And most of it is a Roman road, but it, it's historically, it's a place of violence. And so even today, like, like Jews and Palestinians will, will, will use that road because it runs through what's called Judea and Samaria or the West Bank, as some people like to call it. And what happens is as you go through there, um, it's pretty safe today, but it's always historically been a place where violence happened. This is where Jesus set the story of the Good Samaritan as an example. You know when the guy gets stuffed up and... Uh, Tuffed up, right? <laughs> I haven't preached for a few weeks. I'll get back into it and get my language right. Where he gets stuffed up and the good Samaritan has to help him, right? But that's set on the same road. But it's also where David writes the 23rd Psalm. And it's known as the valley of the shadow of death. And there's some truths in this that will blow your mind. The context is obviously Psalm 23 sits between two other Psalms. Psalm 22 and Psalm 20. Okay, some of you are struggling with that, all right? And that, that worries me slightly. But it's, it's called a messianic trilogy. Messianic being in the Old Testament, but talking about the Messiah who, who, was, who would come. And in, in Psalm 22, it talks that the whole sense of Psalm 22 is Jesus on the cross. It's, it's, oh God, why have you forsaken me is the big verse of Psalm 22. And then Psalm 24, lift up your heads that the king of glory may come in. Talks about the ascension of Jesus and his glorious return. And then what you have, so what you have is between the cross and the Lord coming back, the Lord is my shepherd. Do you get that? 
So that we, we have to set, sometimes with Psalms particularly, we just pluck them out of the air, don't we? Or even worse, we just pluck a verse from a Psalm completely out of the air. Almost like a wee lucky charm going, oh, let's hope that this works, right? But actually when we set it in context and you read this Psalm about the Lord is my shepherd, it's a picture of your life today between the cross and when he returns. It's what, can, what is he like and what can I expect from the one who would come, the Messiah who would come, because I live between those two places. Does that make sense? We live post the cross, but he hasn't returned yet. So let, let's have a look at this. In, in Psalm 23, it starts with this, the Lord is my shepherd. I should, we'll, we'll actually, let's read the whole Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. That's not the big church in Ballymena, by the way. That's something else. <laughs> Boonch. He leads me beside quiet waters. I thought that was funny. Was it? Four out of 10, right? He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake or paths of righteousness, some of you will have. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you're with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And what I, what I love about this, what about, I love this of going, that is a promise for every day of your life. Every day of your life, this is a promise for you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, I shall not lack. He's not talking about money. He's talking about every need that you have. You'll not lack for anything. Wisdom, peace, favor. That's what it really means to be prosperous. Don't make this about money. And there's something in it, the revelation of Jesus as a shepherd. For those of you who have bought my book, for those of you who haven't, you can get a copy today, right? One, one for 10 or two for 20, right? And <laughs> it's so generous. Because I talk about this revelation in John 10 of Jesus being a shepherd. Let me read it to you. So Jesus again said to them in John 10, 7 through 10, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. Listen to that. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I came though that they might have life and have it abundantly. Because why? I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. What Jesus is saying here is there are some teachings that people will listen to that will steal from them, kill them, and destroy them, right? That's the work of the enemy. But Jesus will always lead you to an abundant place because he has laid down his life as a good shepherd. So let's start. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. The Lord, here, he starts with Yahweh. So there's many words for Lord, but here he starts with, I am Yahweh. And that means the life giver, the one who brings existence into being. He references here at the very beginning between the cross and him coming back, I am the one that has always existed. I am the one that has been there since the beginning of time and I will always exist. He's anchoring your life today. You know to go, your circumstances are gonna change. People are gonna come and go. You might be up one day and you might be down the next. You might be in plenty or in lack. You might be in health or find yourself in a place where you're sick. It doesn't really matter because when your eyes, set your eyes on things above, I am the one from before time to the end of time. That anchors you folks, you know that? One of the things about today that I really find with people is we, we struggle to find somewhere to anchor in there's nothing in the world, is there? The ideas change, people change, uh, com you know, what's cool changes, what people are trying, the latest ideas are always going to and fro. And the Lord says, like, I've been, I've been doing this since before time. I am a rock of ages. I'm not going anywhere. See, what was true today about me will be true tomorrow and it'll be true for the next thousand generations. You know why? I don't change. When I say I love you, I don't change. When I say I provide, I don't change. Whenever I say I protect you and your children and your children's children, I do not 
change. People will say this is truth and that's the truth and the other's the truth, but Jesus says, I am the truth and in me you'll find life. And it doesn't change. In a world that is coming and going, doesn't know if it's stuffed or mounted, you and I today can rest in the one that created it, the one that holds it, the one that sustains it, and the one that will bring it to the fullest revelation is the one who loves us and will never be any different. He's Yahweh. Isn't that amazing? And that... I love this. He's been God, you know, God's been God for a long time. Some of us need to relax a little bit and start with, I am not God, the God of all time is God, right? Some of us need to do that. Some of us have taken that place and the Lord says, no, 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 let me start with this. The Lord Yahweh is my shepherd. The existent one is my shepherd. Then he says this, you will lack, I shall not want. I love this. This is a Hebrew word. It, it's uh, kosher. And do you know what it means? Let me just say this. Let me write it another way for you. Because the God of all time and all existence is your God and your King and loves you and gave his life for you, you will never kosher. You will never become empty. Somebody say amen. You will never decrease. Somebody say amen. You will never be deprived. You will never be empty and you will never lack. Why? Because the God of heaven is holding you. Not good. Oh man, there's so much in this. Uh, I love it. Verse two, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. What, what, what are your two greatest needs today? Spiritually speaking, not like water and food. Do you know what, what people's greatest needs are spiritually? Because the Lord just addresses it straight away. I'm God. You're never going to go backwards. You're never going to be deprived. Because I'm God, you're not going to go. It's not a case of lack to lack to lack to lack till you get hopefully through to glory. I bring grace upon grace to your life. You can expect that. And what he says here is you will, you will not lack when you have good food. Good food and rest, spiritually speaking, are our two biggest needs as believers. When we feed on a revelation of Jesus and his finished work of grace, that provides all we need. Jesus alone. Jesus is enough. We don't add to the work of Jesus. We don't put into the work of Jesus. When we feed, when we fill ourselves, we don't have to search out money, wisdom, health, or all of those things. A revelation of Jesus as shepherd and king in our lives, as Abba, of that revelation, everything else is then produced in our life as a fruit. I've said this for, year, about, for years, haven't I? Seek, if, if you're seeking the gift and not the giver, get that round the other way. And it seems like it doesn't make sense to me. I, I, I did sit in the hospital at times when I was, and I was, I was tempted to read bits of, you know, I better go onto YouTube and read uh, John Haggie's healing scriptures again because they are flipping builder, right? And I felt the Lord speak to me and go, why don't you just read about me? And, not tr- and I was like, I, I know, but Lord, you know what, Dickie Ticker, let's get this sorted need healing, and the Lord said, no, you need me. Honestly. And so do you know what I started to do? I just started to read the Psalms. Sat in this one. I read the book of John, my favorite gospel, the gospel of grace, right? And, I was, and do you know what the inner conflict was? Here's me, right? Like, it's, it's bonkers. Here's me lying in a bed in the royal, telling God what I need. Like, how stupid am I? You're going like really stupid, but we knew that anyway. <laughs> but, but do you get it? Like the God of heaven, Yahweh, the one who was before time to the end of time, and here's little old me sitting there like a wee pinprick on the backside of the world, right? Tell, saying to God, do you realize what I need? And he's going, you need me. So the, the issue of trust is to go, what if I don't press in for my healing now, but I just press in for not the gift? but the giver. What if I do that? Do I really trust that his grace is enough? That as I see him, feed on him, fill my heart, my mind, and my spirit with that revelation that he is working where it needs to be worked on? And you know what happened? The pressure dropped. I actually felt the pressure drop inside. It's interesting. Like, I was thinking then, I read about Ruth and Boaz. You know that Ruth receives six times more when she rested, you know, she, she rested at the feet of Boaz. She received six times more than when she worked and it all became hers. Still waters, talk of rest here in this psalm because 
he's good and he's God. The Hebrew word restores is an interesting one. I, I don't know about you. I've had some work done, obviously. And uh, so the thing is for me now, I, I, I have two options. I kind of go, well, isn't that great? Thank you, praise Jesus. Or I go, I want to be, rest- I want to go, I don't, I want to be restored. Anyone? Well, you don't want to be restored? I do. Okay, I, I kind of go, I want it back to the way that you created me. That's what I'm pressing in for. Nafes in Hebrew is the word. It means healing. It means he breathes back his life into me. Restoring me from illness doesn't mean I just get better. It means he creates me as I he originally intended and saw and puts me back to a place of perfection. Somebody say amen. Because that's what the word says. When he restores me in rest, when, when I find rest, number one, then I'm restored. You notice that the restoration in your life only comes after you find rest. He leads me by still waters, then he restores. Don't try to find your restoration in a place of effort and pushing and trying because your restoration only comes when you rest at the feet of Jesus in the revelation of shepherd. And some of us don't find what we need because we're not at rest. We're anxious, we're agitated, some of us, in the inside. We want, we want. And some of us, with that good motive, push, 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 right? Right? I'll push into healing, I'll push into provision, I'll push into this. And the Lord says, just push in. push into me. You don't need to push into me, I'm holding you. See this whole thing of, I'm just holding on to the Lord for all I'm worth gripping, hold on to the Lord, just not letting go. Yeah, forget it, let go, he's holding you anyway. Take the pressure off yourself, he's holding you in his hands. That's what it means. And I love that, you know, one is the result of the other. What I found, like the Lord speaking to me about is restoration comes after rest. Because how I got to this stage was for what the revelation that the Lord showed me wasn't a big revelation. The manifestation in my body was that I was not at rest for a long period of time. Do you get that? And so the Lord speaks and goes, find rest, you find restoration. I'm speaking that over you today. I believe that the Lord restores. I believe that the Lord makes good on his promise of grace to go, you will not you know, you'll not be the same as everyone else in the world. My kids are treated differently. He says then he'll lead you. Is this okay? You read Paths of righteousness. That's the the Wadi Kelt. These are actual paths. He leads me in paths of righteousness or the right paths. And I've explained this to you before. What happens is as shepherds are working with sheep, what they do is they create paths, right? And you can actually go to the Middle East and see this. And what happens is they, they walk round mountains. The imagery of this is absolutely fab, right? You know mountains, what do they speak of? Those big flipping things in your way, right? And what, who's ever prayed, Lord, I'm casting out the mountain, you know that? Speak to the mountain, I've tried that. Sometimes the mountain just looks a wee bit bigger. Yeah? Oh, do you know what I love about this? What the Lord says is, as he leads you as shepherd, what happens? You can actually see this happen with the sheep. They go around the mountains, right? And those are called actually paths of righteousness, right? And as they, they keep walking and going round and round, eventually what they'll do is they get to, the, to go over the mountain, right? As they walk round and up it, they get to a place which in Israel today is called tikvah, hope. Right? Now, the Israeli national anthem is called Tikva. It means hope in Hebrew. And I love this because the picture, you lead me in paths of righteousness, means this. Sometimes your mountain looks so big, looks so impossible. But if you trust in the Lord every day with a revelation of shepherd and, and father, he is le- and what's he leading you in? He's leading you in righteousness. The revelation of grace in your life. You will find yourself if you keep, because with, with that kind of, with, that, with righteousness, at the, the work of grace and, and Jesus' righteousness at the center of your life and resting in that every day, what you will find is even though you're in mountains, right, you will always arrive at a place of hope. It's not brilliant. It's all embedded in this psalm. He's always leading you to a place of hope. Why does he do that? Because where there's hope, there's expectation of goodness. And the thing is, he'll always bring you up to a place where you can see clearly the future in front of you and have hope in your heart that he's leading you there. That's what the paths of righteousness means. And you can see it today as you, as you walk there. 
it's a story of grace in your life, isn't it? You know, it's like, I, I want to believe that even though I can't see it and I feel like I'm in a mountain, that as he leads me every day, I'm, actually, I'm not going down. Remember, I shall not lack. I shall not be deprived, go backwards or become empty. Right? But I believe that every day in these paths of righteousness, I am ascending okay, to a place of hope where I see exactly where I'm going. That's what the psalm means. That's the promise between the cross and him coming back. Shall I continue just for 10 minutes? Is this okay? You have to take it. You, you, do you know, with a word like this, I think you've got to go, for me, Lord, I'm going to receive that today. And say, maybe I haven't been. You know, what, what, what does lead you? You know why some of us go round mountains and we stay at the bottom of them and we don't get any hope? It's because it's not righteousness leading us. What do I mean by that? Jesus and his grace, Jesus and his work. My effort is leading me. My education is leading me. My ability to do whatever is leading me. Okay. That's really, you know, praise the Lord, but when push comes to shove, right? And some of us look at mountains and go, I can't go around this again. Face it again in grace. Look at it again through the eyes of grace, through the eyes of righteousness, and go, I'm going to do this again, and I'm going to let you lead me, because if I let you lead me, I'll find hope. No hope, you're not being led by righteousness. Is that right? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The valley of the shadow of death. Now, this is... This is brilliant. This is this dangerous road, right? Where it all happens. People get mugged and whatnot. You know, it's probably a wee bit like the Albert Bridge Road, to be fair. Right? Just joking, right? Or any road in Newton Arts, right? <laughs> Just saying. Take your life in your hands down there. Right? Even though I walk through the valley of Woolco, remember that? I will fear no evil. Right? It's rod and staff. I love this. Does anyone know the difference between a rod and a staff? There's three words in the Old Testament. There's the staff that Moses used. It's called mata in Hebrew. It's a different word, the, the words that are used here. It's the word that's used most of, um, often and interchangeably for staffs. You stick. So you, in Moses, I, I could preach here on authority. You know, you come to the Red Sea, you hold out what the staff represents authority. The sea parts, God delivers you. So whatever you're facing, face it with authority and lift up your hand, the hand of grace over your situation. It's a great, that would be a great talk, wouldn't it? Maybe do that next week. Or, you know, it's like these demonstrations of God's power. But it's interesting when it comes to this messianic, Sam, they use two different words. And they separate the two out because shepherds at the time would have carried two things. They didn't have one. Moses had a staff in his hand like Aaron. They had staffs in their hand. Aaron's called a rod. Moses is called a staff. But here, they actually look at, you know, in this psalm, it's about what, what the shepherds had. And they had two things. So there's a distinction here with proper shepherds and hired hands. People who are just in it for themselves and people who remember the good shepherd who lays down his life. And a proper shepherd would have had two things. A hired hand wouldn't have. But remember your revelation of Jesus says, he gives his life for me. He lays his life down. He was a good shepherd. So he would, the thing then is we can look at these two words and go, Jesus is both. And the first, for rod, the word is Shabbat in Hebrew. It's the, the primary role of a king. It means a scepter. You know what a scepter is? Yeah? If you don't, ask your neighbor because I'm not going to explain it, right? So the primary role of a king, a king would have had a scepter and he would have had it in his hand. And what was the, in those days, well, why does this matter? What was the primary role of the king? Remember when the, the people of Israel went and they said to the Lord, we want a king, right? And the Lord said, you don't need a king, you need me. And they went, no, 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 you don't understand. Give us a king. Remember all that? If you don't know that, it's in the Bible. You should go read it. It's a great read, okay? Because what happened, they were thinking very practically. Because in those days, kings' primary role was about protecting their people. So that, that what they wanted was protection. And what they wanted was safety and security. Because in those days, I mean, you, can, you get a glimpse of what's going on in the Middle East you know, but, uh, today. But if you, if you look at what happened in those days, literally it was pillaging and murdering and 
enemies coming from everywhere. It was a constant dogfight for survival. And so kings were able to gather the people. And then the role of the king was, if we have a good king, he'll protect us. Particularly, they had some kind of thought around, if this king is anointed by God, then the hand of God is on him, and we will be blessed, right? And so the kings keep messing it up through history. They're blessed. They're not all the rest of it. But essentially, it was all about protection. And so this rod, Shabbat scepter, is symbolic of the protection of God's own people and also about the judgment of others. So this is a picture of authority and power. Remember, even though I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So where I find myself in a place of danger, violence, lack, everything that is not of God, what do I do? I appeal to your authority over my life because you're raw. I, I don't know where you appeal to. I don't know what you look for, okay? One of the things I find myself in my head as I was in hospital, <laughs> did I mention I was in hospital? Um, it's gonna be another Israel thing, right? Um, <laughs> was going, like, this is all great, but there is a greater authority <laughs> over my life and a greater word spoken over my life. And I'm not, you know, I, I got, a retreat, got excellent treatment, but, you know, I was thinking, but this is not the final authority. Who do I appeal to about where I find myself? And so this rod, and a th very practically, would have been used like a club, and it would have been used to fight off attack attackers. So what the shepherd does to protect his sheep is he basically baits all around them with a big scepter, right? I'll put it in Belfast talk for you. It's this picture of, I love it, this is Yahweh, right? The God of heaven, existent before all time, looking over your life with a big club, beating everything back that comes to attack you. That's, that's the picture. Somebody say amen. amen. And you know what? He's standing there beating things off even when you don't even see it. Even when you don't even realize it and you rest your head, the Lord is protecting you. He's watching over you. The authority of his word and his work, his blood, his protection, his provision is your promise when you're awake, when you sleep, when you're aware, when you're not aware, when you're close, when you're far away, when you're up, when you're down, when you're sad, when you're happy. It matters not. He promised protection and authority over your life. And he stands there with authority in his hand over you today going, I will beat back every plan of the enemy that comes near you. Oh, flip me. It's not like that's a good one, isn't it? And then he says, the staff then. The staff was something, your rod and your staff, why did he separate these two out? The staff had a crooked end on it. You know, one of those shepherdy things like that. And um, so that when the sheep fell into stuff, you could pull them out. Like sheep wander off, don't they, and get into trouble. We've been watching, remember I watched Clarkson's farm in lockdown and wanted to be a farmer? <laughs> It's all coming back, all right? It's, it's, I'm watching season two of Clarkson. Anyone watch that? It's for any, any farmers in, any culties, right? I'm so jealous. I want to be a farmer. So I'm watching, because anyway, so there's this whole thing, right? Don't judge me. It's a bit like when I was young, I wanted to have a snooker hole. And a, I go through these phases, and I'm sure when I watch something else, oh, probably. But there's, there's a, it's so funny when you watch this program because no matter what fences they put up, the animals always escape. And Neil Clarkson, in his own particular way, uh, is very funny about it. But what happens is with sheep, like we are, we're the sheep, right? We wander off, don't we? Anyone? We get ourselves into trouble. Why am I here again? You know what's really brilliant here? The, the shepherd doesn't lecture them or you know, goes, ha, huh, you're in the ditch again? Well, that'll teach you. Slap it up, yeah. Let's just leave you lying there for a wee bit. Ch -ch -ch. How long will we leave the sheep there? Remember, he's a good shepherd. He lays down his life for the sheep. And whilst this, the, the rod is about protection authority over your life, the staff is about reaching in to pull you up when you mess it up. Because he's a good shepherd. He doesn't beat you right? When you're down, he hooks you and pulls you back to himself so that you can be free. I love that. I bet you there's some people in this room this week who thought, who've thought, I'm not as close as I should be. I'm not doing as well as what I should be. Anyone go, I wish I was closer to the Lord? Anyone? Yeah. I bet you have. What happens in those moments? Does the Lord come along in the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to go, I know you wee waster, you should be. 
you should feel worse about yourself, actually. You plonker. <laughs> well, thanks, Jesus. So encouraging. Romans 2, 4, don't ever give up on the goodness of God because what? It leads you to repentance, right? Grace of God doesn't put you in a place where you'll sin happily. Titus tells us that the grace of God has appeared and it teaches us to say no to ungodliness. And what happens in those moments, the Lord reaches in and he redeems us with his love and washes us down and says, go again. So that's why shepherds had both. They protected and they saved. Protected and saved. He's doing that over your life today. Let me just finish with one last one, okay? Verses five and six. Um, Are you encouraged this morning? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Solan in Hebrew, a table. Sacred item from the tabernacle that was later used in the temple. And sometimes used in private use, but... Because it was a, a table in the temple, it was a king's table, right? And a, a, a table in the tabernacle. And what happened, it was then used as a, a table for like a very high official, like a, like a king or something like that. And it's a picture, is it, like the pictures you lay a table before me is God lays out bounty for you. And the language is hospitality. The Lord is your host, you're the guest. And the setting is like a royal court. And it's this display of provision and largesse, actually. So, like, what happens here is that why does the Lord lay a table in the presence of my enemies? It's because because you're a believer in Jesus today, under the blood of Jesus, we've taken communion today. Can I tell you something? In, in the spiritual realm, what happens is this. There are enemies that gather around. Remember, because the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But because the Lord stands there with his authority, his, his rod and his, his scepter, he lays a table and says, come and eat all you need. And what happens is, that en- literally what would happen in, the, in, the, in those days is, that, that because it was, it's warm and it's outside, you never get away. But that's why the Bible wasn't based in Belfast right? There'd be no outside stuff, all right? (laughs) This wouldn't make sense. You'd be like, well, nobody sees us because we're inside because it's freezing. But out there, right, they they would have these tables laid. And, you know, see if the king invited you or a high official invited you and sat down, nobody was coming near you. Why? Because you're under the protection of the king. And your enemies would have to watch as you're walked in to position in the middle of the world and the enemy's coming against you. And the king says, sit down and eat of my goodness and see those enemies, they're not coming near you. Why? Because you're my guest and I'm your host. Isn't that lovely? And so what do we do? We eat what we need. We feed on Jesus what we need and all our enemies can do when we're in that place under the hand of the king, the enemies can't come close. Some of you have got to believe that. Some of you, your tension is on the enemies and everything else and you're fighting your way, spiritual, this, that and the other. Get your eyes on Jesus and tomorrow morning when you get up, you say figuratively speaking, spiritually speaking, I'm at the king's table today. The enemies might come close but they can't touch me. Why? Because the king is standing over me with his authority, his might and his power and he has said, you will not come any further because I'm leading these people to a place of hope. Oh yes. And the last one is, that's why he said, I'll not talk about anointing my head and my cup runs over. It's about the anointing of a king, okay? The last one is this, verse six, because it's for time. It's probably the most important of all the verses. Psalm 23, six. Surely then, right? I love this word, surely, right? Everyone watch the airplane movies? <laughs> Don't call me Shirley and all that. That's what, <laughs> surely, goodness and mercy. I just see three people. Anyway. <laughs> for those of you who've never watched the airplane movies, that's gonna be right over your head, okay? Stop calling me Shirley, right? <laughs> but I love this. He, 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 do, do you know, can I just run this up? You anoint my head with oil. Ranan in Hebrew, the picture of grace. You're anointed with oil. It stops the, the maggots and the flies getting into your head and eating away. That's what would happen to the sheep. And my cup runs over. It's about exceeding abundance. That's what it talks about. And then he goes, let's round this up. Just six verses of a promise for every day of your life. Surely then, that word surely, we just kind of go over it. But he says, in light of everything I've said, what is the only result of the shepherd who looks after you that way. Goodness and mercy follow you. And it's not just a hope. It's, it's like this, this complete statement of certainty. If that's my king, if that's my Jesus, if that's his work of grace, if that's how he sees me despite my mess and my mistakes, if that's how good he is to me, well, what else 
Can I see in my life other than his goodness and his mercy chasing me down? I love it. Not perhaps, not maybe, not probably, not definitely, but actually goodness and mercy, Hebrew hasset, right? Shall follow you. And the word follow in Hebrew here is stronger than merely kind of follow, come behind you. It actually means pursue you and hunt you down. I love that. God's goodness and grace is gonna pursue you, hunt you down, right? And remember when, when that happens, right? The, the, the picture is you're not looking for it because you're being guided by the shepherd to hope. And as the result is all around you, particularly from behind goodness and mercy come. It's that thing of going, I almost feel surprised by it. Do you get that? Why, why the picture of behind? It's because the shepherds didn't, the shepherds guided the sheep forward. That's what they would have done. And what happens is that it's almost like a picture of you living your life, walking along, and then goodness and mercy just overtaking you. And you're, you're walking along, why? To a place of hope. You're walking along in righteousness every day, going round in righteousness. And before you know it, there's goodness and mercy and fullness and hope. Everything just up the side of you, from behind you, in front of you. Why? Because the shepherd's leading you. I, I, do you want to live like that? I know I do. I don't want to be the man who's chasing and hunting down God's goodness. I want to stand in a place with Jesus as my shepherd where it just overflows for me. Yeah? Oh, amen. And all the sheep are doing actually is just being led by the shepherd. As long as that's the case, then goodness and mercy will follow Amen? Isn't the grace of God amazing? That's a promise for every day of your life. Like, let me go back to the start. We're going to pray and we're going to worship the Lord together. But let me go back to the very start. We need a bigger revelation of Jesus and his grace this year. We do. I had that moment of going, when push comes to shove, I push into the gift and not the giver. And the Lord gently said to me, I am more than enough. If you get me, more and more you get everything that comes. Because I'm a good shepherd. I want to encourage you today. By all means, pray and speak into the areas that you have of need in your life. But don't reduce, just don't reduce it all to that. Because I think we miss out then, don't we? There's so much more for us. So much more pursuit, like the Lord has for you today. So much more to overtake you. It's not about money. It's about, it's about the stuff that really matters, isn't it? It's not about the least. Well, if money's important, he'll take care of it. It's about proper peace, proper healing, proper hope. About that sense of security and purpose about that knowing above all things it is well with my soul. Why? Because I have a good shepherd. Amen. Close your eyes. Let me pray for you. Worshipy folks, if you want to come up. I can't lift that one. Father, just, why don't you stand with me, actually? You've been sitting for a while. If you can, stand up. If the Lord has been speaking to you this morning and encouraging you this morning, I want I want you to respond to him. Okay? I don't want you to be passive. I want you to lay hold of the, the truth that God has spoken over you today. You can respond by simply putting your hands in the air in front of you to say my posture is to receive you can ask the person beside you to lay their hands on you and pray for you respond in some way and say Lord today I thank you for your word of grace Father I thank you that today I have access to the God of ages the King of Kings I stand boldly before the throne of grace today
to receive everything that I need. Jesus, I just don't want a bit of your work. I want you. Because when you, when I have you, I have everything. And so Jesus, I receive it. In my body today, I thank you for restoration over everybody in this place. For those online, receive right now your wholeness and health in Jesus' name. Back to God's original plan and design. For those who are anxious today, have mental health struggles for depression and worry, for fear, for low self-esteem, all of these things. I just pray right now a revelation of God's love and righteousness over you. I pray today you would know that the Lord loves you. The Bible tells us that he loved you first, that we only can love God because he loved us. And the issue is not our love for God first, it's us receiving his love because as we are loved, then we are able to love him back. I pray you'd be released from a spirit of performance, from a spirit of effort and trying. I pray that you would see that as the, as the Bible speaks for itself, that the grace of God appears and teaches us, leads us in how to stay godly. That the power of sin would be broken in your life, not by your effort, because you're not big enough. You're not strong enough. You were never equipped for it. But the work of Jesus in your life will break every chain. So I pray that over you right now. For those of you who have just been disappointed with God, I pray today you would see him again as good shepherd. For those of you who have anxiety around bits of your future, thank God that he stands over you today with a scepter in his hands, authority, power, and might. The hand of God watching over you and your children, your homes, your businesses, your careers, and your future. Have that revelation today. Jesus, we love you. We honor you. We put you today at the very center of it all, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that in this place, as we receive grace upon grace upon grace, Lord, in this place, you are moving in our homes. You're moving in our relationships. You're doing everything that needs to be done, Lord. And we thank you for it. And all God's people said, amen. I hope you're encouraged this morning, church. We're gonna worship together. As we worship together, we're gonna take our offering. I want to encourage you to be generous in your giving. We're a church that believes in our tithes and offerings, but we never do it because we're guilty. We do it because of a revelation of Jesus and his love for us. And we know that whenever we give generously, the Lord is already at work providing and blessing and multiplying. So we release ourselves from the pressure of provision, knowing that the provider has already gone before us, don't we? And so Lord, we thank you for blessing us, Lord, financially. Lord, we thank you that in this church, we are part of a movement around the world to bring people into a, a bigger revelation of Jesus and your grace. Thank you, Father, for everything that is sown in this place, how we can use it for your kingdom to see men, women, and children encounter Jesus and brought to that place of grace. So, Father, thank you, and we, I thank you for everything that's sown in this place, for the people who faithfully give. Thank you, Father, this year we're going to see good breakthrough in our buildings and in where we're going to be. And Father, we thank you that as you have already gone before us to provide for that. So Jesus, that's why we give. But Lord, we're going to lift this song above everything, Lord, as we finish today. We're going to let this song be a prayer and a declaration of your truth over our lives. Father, we're going to go from this place, even with our emotions sometimes shaky, but with our heart having received good food today to bring us rest. And we're going to trust you this week in every bit of every minute of every day because you're a good shepherd and all those people said amen, amen.